Oh my god, he's making a requel. A what? Or uh, like a sequel, fans are torn on the terminology. Welcome back to No Notes. My name is JD. My name is Morgan. And today we have a very special and exciting episode for you all. We are going to be discussing the phenomenon of Lego sequels. Mm. Yes, that's right. Trademarked. <laughs> Trademarked, yeah. Didn't come up with that term. Um, but if you're not familiar, I have a little definition that I've written up. Um, and then there are also just some other existing definitions out in movie culture. But for our discussion today, we're going to be talking about films that are sequels or maybe prequels um, to pre-existing IP or franchises that come 10 or more years after the last installment in the franchise that continue the story of before. So this is not going to be a remake. This is not going to be a reimagining of a previously existent franchise. These are films that come 10 or more years later that continue the same story after the last installment. Maybe it's a second one that gets made years later. Maybe it's a 16th one that gets made. But if it's 10 or more years later, then we're going to consider it a legacy sequel for the purposes of this discussion. So when I talk about uh, a legacy sequel or I'm going to talk about this idea, um, what are some of the things that come to your mind? Um, for me, definitely Scream. Mm-hmm. Um, they do, I was about to look it up, they do their own like little play out of like, oh, we're in the, I forget what they call it. But some yeah. kind of sequel. The, I think they said requel in the... The requel, yeah. yes, yes. Uh-huh. And they give, like, a whole, like... As a requel. Which is... See, you can't just reboot a franchise from scratch anymore. The fans won't stand for it. Black Christmas, Child's Play, Flatliners. That shit doesn't work. But you can't just do a straight sequel either. Uh, you gotta build something new. But not too new, or the internet goes bug-fucking-nuts. It's gotta be part of an ongoing storyline even if the story shouldn't have been ongoing in the first place. New main characters, yes, but supported by and related to legacy characters. Not quite a reboot, not quite a sequel, like the new Halloween, Saw, Terminator, Jurassic Park, Ghostbusters, fuck, even Star Wars. It always, always goes back to the original. Um, I think we're, maybe I feel like we're almost in the generation where we didn't quite see a lot of these first ones, like in theaters at least, and then the second ones come out, so it's a little different of an experience than people who have seen the originals and then get to see these new ones coming out. Um, I feel like we're getting to the point where the movies that I watched as a kid are like coming back, like the Hunger Games and, mm-hmm. and things like that, where it's like now I'm actually getting to experience the full, like I saw it a full 10 years ago, and now I'm rewatching this belated sequel. Uh-huh. <laughs> so what are, do you think some of the, just off the, off the bat, some of your favorite examples of a, a legacy sequel or a requel? Man, I do not have a lot that I <laughs> truly, genuinely enjoy. Um, Scream is probably my number one. Yeah. Um, I really like the Cloverfield movies. I don't think they're a full 10 years apart, but they're pretty close. Um, I enjoy the new Star Wars. As someone who does not love Star Wars, I enjoy the new Star Wars. Um, one of my favorites that I've seen recently would be Prey, which is a prequel that came out many years later of Predator. Yeah. Um... I think the horror movies probably do it best, in my opinion. And then there's the the ones that just feel like they make money that I'm like, oh, they were all right. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. I think some of my favorites would definitely be Scream. The The newest 
Scream and then its sequel, The Sixth Scream, mm-hmm. are both like just really They're good, so really fun, fun. Um, super awesome movies. I think Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Mm. You know, I'm a film bro at heart. I love Denis Villeneuve, <laughs> and Blade Runner twenty forty nine is. I don't know if it's quite as good as original Blade Runner. I'm just not a big fan of anyway, but. <laughs> It does do a lot of really cool and interesting things to carry that same story forward, and it's just visually beautiful. I also think Tron Legacy deserves a shout-out here. Um, One of the earliest, I think, examples to do this in my lifetime, but my dad took my brother and I to see Tron Legacy, because he loved Tron so much. And it came out many years later. Continued the story of the first one. I didn't super understand what was going on, but (laughs) it's a cool movie with an awesome soundtrack and score, so... Um, those are my favorites. What are some of your least favorite examples of this? Oh, man. Um, I think Avatar The Way of Water. Okay, yeah. Just, I do like that movie, but as a sequel, talking about like literally continuing a story, I don't think it is worth my watch as a sequel. Yeah. Um, I also have Finding Dory. Man, I hated that movie. <laughs> I don't like Disney movies to begin with. That's another episode. But <laughs> I love Nemo, and I was a little bit excited, and I went to watch it in theaters, and I was so bored the whole time, and it was just, um, yeah, just a very cheap, cheap version of what it could have been. Yeah. You know, I think um, Disney really hit a gold mine with Toy Story 3 mm-hmm. coming back to, because you know, Toy Story 3 came about 15 years after Toy Story 2 wow. or so. Uh, maybe not quite 15, but it was definitely over 10. And Toy Story 3 was just a great movie, was nominated for Best Picture at the Oscars, uh, made a ton of money. And then I think Disney and Pixar took all the wrong lessons from that and started yeah. doing, so they've also made Monsters University, which was, you know, mm-hmm. like the... Um, like a prequel, maybe. Um, (laughs) You know, it's like a prequel that, like, cast the same story in a new light. Um, and yeah, to me, I like Monsters. I have a soft spot for Monsters University, but Finding Dory is definitely pretty weak, I would say. I enjoyed Monsters Um, University. It was fun. Yeah. I, Jurassic Park, original Jurassic Park, I, the more I think about it, the more I think it might be my favorite movie of all time. And the Jurassic World movies are just not good. They're not. They're oh. pretty poor, in my opinion. Um, I love them. I think they're uh, <laughs> so fun. Except for the second one. The first and third one, though, man. I also think that uh, I loved the first Independence Day when I was a kid. Oh. And I would watch it, um, you know, I would watch it every year on Independence Day uh, that I could. But I would always watch it on cable. Because um, I just thought it was, like, a cool thing to do. I don't know if it's... Ad- and then I watched it a few years ago. It's not, like, the best movie, but it is fun. <laughs> um and so I was really excited that they were making a sequel to Independence Day when that first came out, called Independence Day Resurgence. And I went to see it in the theater. It was one of my first ever theater experiences where I left thinking, like, wow, that was bad. Um, <laughs> oh, no. Because a lot of times when I was younger, seeing a movie in the theater, I was like, that was so awesome. Oh, yeah, and then yeah. later I would realize it wasn't. But <laughs> leaving Independence Day Resurgence in the theater, I was like, that was tough. That was hard to watch. Yeah. Um, yeah, so those are definitely some of my least favorite. I. Uh, but for the most part, I feel like these aren't um, these aren't super terrible. Like yeah. a lot of the ones that come out are are, are usually well received financially, certainly, but even still, cre- like critically, um, Creed in the Rocky mm-hmm. series, uh, Top Gun Maverick was also nominated for Best Picture. There are a lot of examples. Mary Poppins Returns, um, mm-hmm. like another one that came years and years later with a whole new cast did well at the box office and was pretty well received critically and so there are there's an interesting relationship to these in the marketplace as a whole 
because I feel like it's easy to look at these and think, oh, studios are just creatively bankrupt and they're just trying to go back to something that already worked, but maybe they're not. What are your thoughts on that? I think I... uh... When I talk to people about this, they're like, oh, they need to stop making remakes. They need to stop bringing back old things. Like, people need new content. But, you know, you ask those people the last five movies they went and saw, and they're not watching the new content. Like, they're making it because people are paying for it. And um, it's an easy sell. It's familiar. It, like you said, like your dad took you back. Like, it's things like that where it's like, oh, like, this is a thing that I already know. And it just makes it easier to sell, makes it easier to go watch, makes it more interesting. Um, Even if, I think, where for people who really love film, you see the original Jurassic Park, and then you see Jurassic World, and it's like, oh my gosh, like... You can't even get close to Jurassic Park. Why would you even try? They ruined the story. They, you know, like, (laughs) and the thing is, like, most of these that are being remade are being remade because the first one was so good and people remember it and people love it. And you, so all of them are being remade from some of the greatest movies out there. And it's like, you're right. Rocky is, you know, an all-time classic, yes. one of the best movies ever made. So it's like they're trying to remake a masterpiece, essentially. Yeah. And, like, I think me going into a lot of these, like, I know it's not going to do that. I know it's, like, it's nostalgia. It'll be fun. It's a good story. They're just, like, saying it a little differently. Um, but I think that is, like, the disconnect between someone who just went and watched Jurassic Park and likes Jurassic Park will go and watch Jurassic World and like Jurassic World. Yeah. Um, but for people who really are like critical of it, it's like hurtful to see someone <laughs> do that's that fair. to your movie. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, so what do you think? Is there anything you think besides money that fuels these sequels being funded and made? Oh, I mean, not really. I feel like why, I don't know. I feel like it, most of it's money. Yeah. Um, it's it's easy to make money off of it. It's easy to spend money on it. Um, and it's kind of like, I always feel like people in the industry, you know, like, you know, working on movies is great, but you could also like work on a TV show for 10 years and have the same gig and <laughs> like, yeah. get paid more <laughs> frequently. So it makes it easier just in every aspect to like, be on something that is long running so it's like you know you get signed up to work on five avatar sequels you're a lot more confident in your job stability a steady paycheck that's yes. true yeah. um and you have like the same people you have like a continual you're using the same actors the same props the same everything it's yeah. just it's easier to make something that you've already made um and uh, that makes it cheaper for them and people buy it. So. Yeah, that's fair. And, you know, you're right in a marketplace that is a lot a lot harder, especially since COVID, people are a lot stingier with their money. And oh, yeah. um, like we talked about this with Lee in our theater episode, like people are a lot choosier about their experiences, mm-hmm. you know? And so a lot of times people don't necessarily want to go out to the theater to see something a little riskier. Um, you know, and there's, there's so much we could go into here, but <laughs> like... Um, so it, on one hand, it makes sense for studios to continue to invest in things that they know already have a following because the nostalgia factor is mm-hmm. the other, um, you know, 
I was listening to a, a YouTube video by a guy named Scott Kramer who talked about the trend of rewatch podcasts that's going on. You know, like um, the Office Ladies, the Parks and Recollections yes. of the World. <laughs> and at the beginning of this video, he was like, "It's nostalgia and money. They do it because of nostalgia and money." Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's like, "Now we can. Now that's out of the way, we can actually talk about this." Yeah. Um, I do think there is a little bit of like. People love these films. They yeah. love these stories. They love the concept. And there is a little bit of like, people love this and bringing it back is going to bring those people back mm-hmm. and it continues the love for it. And yeah, there are good things that come out of it for sure. And yeah. good reasons to do it. You're right. So it's not exclusively nostalgia and money necessarily, but those do seem like some of the big driving forces. Oh, yeah. But... I guess I'm curious, do you think that, you know, Lego sequels like this, can they be vehicles for genuine creativity? I think they can. Okay. I think it is probably overproduced because the point of these is probably like an easy way to make money. Yeah. Um, so there are probably a lot of like overhead of, well, we got to bring this actor back and they've yeah. got to do this specific line. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But with that being said, there is a lot of, like, you could take it and make it your own. And um, especially ones that have different characters, I think. Yeah. I usually like more where it's like, oh, like, this, it's just the same concept, same place, but they're doing new things. Um, I don't know if anything, any of them do that, like, extraordinarily well, but it is possible. <laughs> yeah. You know, my mind, when I ask this question, we haven't quite touched on this yet, but it immediately goes to Star Wars. Oh, yeah. Um, because I think the Star Wars prequels certainly count within this because they were, you know, 10 plus years after. But the Star Wars sequels also came 10 plus years after the prequels did and, you know, 30 plus years after the originals. And they continue the story of the original Star Wars movies with the new sequel trilogy. And while I am not a defender or supporter personally of (laughs) the Star Wars prequels or sequels, um, I kind of think they're all bad. But I know a lot of people who really admire Star Wars Episode Eight: The Last Jedi, for its bold creative choices uh, from Ryan Johnson. I did really like that one. Yeah. That's the only one that I truly remember like watching and enjoying. <laughs> yeah. And this is the first thing that I really think of when I'm thinking about these legacy sequels, these many years afterwards who take an existing franchise and, you know, regardless of success, in my opinion, it's not very successful, but man, like he did some bold creative stuff with that. And some of it I really liked. I, I honestly really loved the way that The Last Jedi handled Luke Skywalker's character. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I honestly really loved the way that they took your expectations of the protagonist Ray being someone connected to the larger Star Wars story and be like, no, she's not. Like this actually doesn't matter. Yeah. You know, she's just another person. Like the force <laughs> could the force could be used with anyone. And so there were a lot of really cool ideas and while they weren't, in my opinion, explored the best, I think that that is an, a great example of somebody taking an existing franchise and doing something super unique and creative with it in a way that kind of showed off his own abilities as a filmmaker because Mm -hmm. after the last jedi ryan johnson gets to go make knives out and then glass onion and makes two super engaging and fun and excellent murder mystery films that he probably (laughs) wouldn't have gotten to make if it weren't for you know how how bold and creative he was in the last jedi yeah i do feel like for someone 
for filmmakers, for directors who like love the old movies and then like get this opportunity to recreate it. Like I can't imagine the pressure I would even put on myself. Like yeah. if I had to recreate something that was like my favorite thing in the world, because usually you hear them like in interviews and stuff, they're like, oh, like, like, I got this job because I was obsessed with this. Like, it was my thing. Like, Mm -hmm. I love these old movies. And they're, like, a lot of, like, they're trying to live up to it and make it worth it. And the pressure that that would have on someone would be insane. But That's true, yeah. (laughs) And sometimes, you know, they're from the same guy. The Star Wars prequels are all George Lucas. Uh, Mm -hmm. Avatar, The Way of Water is still James Cameron. Yeah, yeah. But then also a lot of times... If the original director has, you know, has passed away or is not chosen to come back to the project, the new guy they get, it's almost like um, a tryout for, you know, their, their own individually unique project. Like, yeah. uh, you know, Ryan Coogler made Creed and then Black Panther, and then, like, he's kind of been stuck in the franchise thing for a while, but I think Ryan Coogler now has the cachet to make whatever project he wants yeah. now that he's done all of these things, working within franchises to make really cool, you know, movies in their own right within existing franchises mm-hmm. he's probably got the cachet to do that and joseph kaczynski is the guy who directed both tron legacy and top gun maverick so he's oh, made two of these yeah and now he gets to make his own project which is a uh, formula one action film with brad pitt Amazing. and like it's you know it's, it's it's an original story that he's written and same thing with the scream guys the scream guys made ready or not and now they made two scream movies and now they're getting to make their own monster movie. Universal's mm-hmm. giving them money because they've done well with the screen movies to make their own thing. And yeah. so it's like you get to you get to inherit something safe and make your mark with it that lets you kind of open up other opportunities to yeah. then start developing your own new stories. Yeah. And so I, I think that there are a lot like as much as Scream kind of does the same thing, and The Last Jedi kind of does the same thing that other Star Wars movies did, other Scream movies did. Top Gun Maverick is basically the plot of the first Top Gun <laughs> again, you know. But the little touches that you're allowed to do, the creative flourishes you can add as a as a director, as a storyteller in that, open other doors. I think. Oh yeah. And so, I think yes, they are sometimes vehicles for genuine creativity. But also sometimes, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that also kind of brings us to the question of why revisit something old like this? And we've touched on this a little bit already. But like, mm-hmm. Why come back? Why come back at all? Yeah. You know, from a financial perspective, we get it. From a nostalgia perspective, we get it. But from a creative perspective, why come back? I mean, there is like, I already said this, but like a love for these concepts and films and and people grow and i think like well, i'm thinking of like toy story mm-hmm. where it's like they really play off the fact that they understand that their audience has grown with this franchise and um they like play off of that and they i think like when they do that it's like oh this is a beautiful thing yeah. <laughs> um there is a lot of like if there's already an audience for it who loves it and just giving them an excuse to come back and be in the same world and with the it, it i think that's reason enough to come back to anything it's like um it's like uh making like a fan um edit or something of yeah. a tv show but it's just on a much larger scale where it's like oh i love 
some the office or something mm-hmm. and then it's like you see all the time people making edits of it people like putting their favorite parts together and it comes back and people get excited about it again and it's fun and it's just that it's just people who love something bringing it back but on a huge scale <laughs> yeah and i think you're right i think um you know the it's the power of the movies yes you know they, they <laughs> create these worlds that we want to live in and it's a good thing for us to want to go back and spend more time and even though they're a lot of times creatively more you know l- less successful than the original mm. you know it's we we all want more of the things that we love and so when you're coming at it from a creative perspective i feel like that's how some of these directors have to approach it. It's like, okay, well, how can I bring people more of what they love? How can I recreate what I loved so much? And how can yeah. I how can I do this in my own way? So there is a cool creative challenge, I think, to it as well. Um, yeah. And that's what brings in all the nostalgic and bringing mm-hmm. people back and the fan service of the people who love it. Like, sometimes yeah. it's cheesy and dumb and makes it worse. But also, like, that's why they're going to watch it. And sometimes I enjoy it. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. <laughs> so how do you think you typically respond when movies like this are announced? When you're like, all right, we're coming back to an existing story, maybe one that you personally love and you don't personally care for. Mm-hmm. How do you typically respond? I think I fall into the trap a lot. Yeah. Where I'm like, I'm never going to go watch that. I'm tired of them recreating things. And, and then it comes out and there's really nothing else out or there's stuff out, but like I haven't heard about it and I've heard about this other thing and like I gotta go watch something. I mean, it really, like it's safe. Like I yeah. can go watch the new Jurassic World movie or, you know, some movie I've never heard of and yeah. I gotta spend my $20 or whatever to go watch it in three hours of my day. Um, so I do think I... I'm generally not excited, like, watching trailers and um, things like that. But then it comes to just, I'm, like, wanting to go to the movies on Friday night, and I'm looking through the movies, and those ones obviously pop out because I know what it is and I know mm-hmm. what to expect. And um, I think there's nothing worse than spending $18 on a ticket to go to the theater and then sitting down and watching something, and you're like, well... That is not what I expected and not good. And it's nighttime now and I wasted my day. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So I definitely fall into that like, it's easy, it's fun, it's safe. It's reliable. Yeah. Yeah. I get it. And, you know, there are times where they are really good and there are times where they aren't. But as as you're looking at, um, and we'll talk more about this later in our podcast, I think, but looking so far at, um, at the box office this summer. I think there haven't been too many movies that have really broken out and been massively successful, at least compared to their budgets. And the ones that have have been the more bold artistically or creatively. Um, And the ones that have had the best word of mouth reception. I think what we're seeing a lot today is movies that are coming out that aren't getting necessarily the same love just because they're a sequel as they were before or because Mm. they're part of an existing franchise as they were before. But movies that are being made with a lot of love and passion are the ones who are finding the most success. The best performing movies of the summer so far have been Guardians of the Galaxy 3 and Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, both of which are excellent movies that were made with a lot of creativity and passion. But Mm. Elemental, the new Pixar movie, started off with a really low box office performance. Mm. 
but in its second week had one of the best holds of all time. It only dropped 30-something percent. The word of mouth of the movie was very strong. Mm. Same thing for the Super Mario Brothers movie. Came out, kind of probably launched a new franchise, but had really strong, you know, really good critical reception and strong word of mouth. And then a lot of the other sequels that have come out, like Fast and Furious 10 and Shazam Mm. 2 and Ant-Man 3 that aren't (laughs) as well received, that are being perceived as more, you know, creatively bankrupt, are starting to suffer. Yeah. And so I think we've gotten to the point where there are just so many of these. Like we went through, you know, Indiana Jones 5 is coming out. I'm going to go see it later today. You know, and it's the box office projections for it are not the best so far. It seems like that movie might, you know, underperform compared to expectations. But if you're looking at Finding Dory, Toy Story 3 and Toy Story 4, Jurassic World, Tron Legacy, Creed and all of its sequels, Star Wars and all of its sequels, Top Gun, Blade Runner, Indiana Jones, Scream, Avatar, Independence Day, Alien, Mary Poppins, Shining. Like, there are all those franchises. Mamma Mia, My Big Fat Greek Wedding. There's a whole Letterboxd <laughs> list that, that we found. Um, shout out to Mook on Letterboxd. Rambo and... Like, just so many. Dumb and Dumber, Anchorman, Zoolander, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, Vacation, <laughs> Bad Santa, Blair Witch, Death Race, Halloween, Multiple Times, Train Spotting, Leprechaun, Rambo, again, Zombieland, Bill and Ted, The Matrix, Bad Boys, Terminator, Coming to America, Space Jam, Candyman, Hocus Pocus, Disenchanted. I just took up a minute of the podcast talking about how many of these movies there are. Yeah. There are an unbelievable amount of you know, requels or legacy sequels, however you want to call it, to the point where I think people are starting to get wise to the fact that you can't just put a name you recognize on a movie. You have to put creativity and passion behind it to make an excellent product. Mm. If you're looking at the way the box office is performing and you're looking at how many of these movies there have been, (laughs) I think that, I don't know, I think that might be something that we're starting to see. I think the pressure to be creatively new to be uh, creatively exciting yeah. to have some ingenuity behind the story is getting stronger mm-hmm. and having so many coming out all at the same time is like you know everything's familiar so you got to have the best familiar one at yeah. this point yeah you're right <laughs> you're absolutely right um as we kind of start to wrap up here i think there are a couple big upcoming ones that I think I wanted to highlight, shout out, kind of get get your feel for. Um, we have a sequel to Twister called Twisters, which yes. is in production right now. How are you oh, feeling about that? I'm so excited. Twister is one of, like, I have a nostalgic connection to Twister. I grew up in Oklahoma. Okay, that is like our movie. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they're filming the second one in Oklahoma. Um, big stuff happening. Um, I'm very excited. I love that movie. I love storms i love tornadoes it's such a cool concept um have you looked at any of the behind the scenes stuff to see who's directing it who's acting in it i have not no is that something you typically look for i try not if i know i'm gonna watch something i don't look at anything i'm like Mm. i'll look it up afterwards interesting okay okay Okay. i like a clean plate when i know i'm gonna watch something going into it fair enough we've also got gladiator 2 coming up Interesting. How does that make you feel? Um, Have you seen the you seen the first Gladiator? Oh right? yeah, yeah, long time ago. I don't remember it very well, but that'll be you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's been a while since we've had like a uh, whatever that time period is called. Sword and sandals. Epic yeah, kind of yeah. Movie. It's been it's yeah. been a while. That's true. It's true. But I feel like I kind of meet Gladiator too at the same. Like, mm, do we need it? Yeah. It, which is how which is how so many of these I've responded to. Indiana yeah. Jones 5. I'm excited to go see it. 
did we need it? Yeah. I don't think so. <laughs> but we'll see. Top Gun Maverick, I would have said, did we need it? And it ended up being a very good movie. Yeah. Um, Beetlejuice 2. Beetletooth is the last one I wanted oh, to get you. Man. I don't know if it's actually going to be called Beetletooth, but if it, it is. Should. <laughs> if it is, I'm getting credit. Um, I think that movie needs to be left alone. Yeah. I, I don't think I need a second one of those. Um, the first one's just so good. It really is. It um, really is. Is Tim Burton? Tim Burton's directing. Okay. Michael Keaton and Winona Ryder are both yeah. reprising their roles. And Jenna Ortega and Willem Dafoe have both joined oh, the cast. Oh, amazing. I mean, it'll be good. Yeah? But I don't know if we needed it. <laughs> I think you're right. Do you think that they will ever go away? Remakes and like requels, like sequels like this? Or do you think they're kind of going to be around for, for the long oh, haul? I think they're around for the long haul. I think it's too easy. It's too fun. Um, I think somewhere out there, someone's always going to be like, oh, well, we could make a new blank of mm-hmm. whatever, but we're going to, you know. Um, yeah. Although I do think um, because it is a common thing now and they know that they want to make more, maybe there won't be as much time in between them. Yeah. Where it's like, um, you know, Jurassic World and Star Wars like came out forever ago. But um, I think having, knowing that sequels are so popular, people are going to be more likely to just do it, just plan for it ahead instead of like, oh, we can Mm. remake this one. That's fair. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm sure there'll be some that like get slipped up. And then they come back 10 years later and they're like, oh, people would love to see this. Yeah. I think that's like what happened with Beetlejuice. Is Beetlejuice yeah. came out in the 80s and everyone was like, we need to do another one of these. And then it just <laughs> never really came together. Yeah. And now it's finally coming together. Mm. Now that Michael Keaton's in his 70s. <laughs> it, and I, we didn't really plan for this question, but I just thought of it. Um, if there is, what is one movie that never had a sequel that you think could use one? Oh. Whether it's like five years ago or ten years ago or thirty years ago, what's a movie you would love to see followed up on? I'm trying to think of one that has a really good concept that maybe didn't have a good first movie that I would like. Mm. I want to see that concept, but made better and with a bigger budget. Try it again. Yeah. Okay. Ooh, let me look at my list. Oh, it's hard because I want to pick one that like wasn't a great one. Yeah. Because the, all the great ones, I'm like, don't touch it. Don't even mm, think about it. That's fair, yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, I want one that I really liked, but was like, didn't have the budget, but people loved it, and then they get to make a new one. Yeah. Um, Megamind. Oh yeah. That's a solid one. I think Megamind would kill it in today's market. <laughs> I think that's I think that's fair. I could totally see a Megamind sequel. Um, I've heard people say School of Rock. Yeah. Um, okay. because Jack Black is still killing it. I'd he love is. to see him in he a is. second. School of Rock movie. Yeah. That one would be really fun. Yeah. Oh, man. I, uh... I asked this question, and I don't know that I really have much of an answer <laughs> for it myself, but I think, um... I... I would definitely be down if they wanted to... If they, if they wanted to try to revisit, like, a Guy Ritchie movie, like Snatch or The Gentleman... Because I like Guy Ritchie movies, and I feel like they're just fun British crime capers. <laughs> and if you wanted to bring back those same characters for a second one, I would be down with that. 
I think, like, you know, because all those characters are always so fun. Most of them, and, like, half of them end up dead at the end of every Guy Ritchie movie, but I feel like there could be a really creative way to bring them back. But also, Guy Ritchie movies are never super successful at the box office, so it's Mm kind of like he gets enough to keep making movies, but none of them ever really have the the lasting cultural impact, except for maybe Snatch. I think another one would be The Quick and the Dead. Have you heard of this movie? No. It's a movie with a... It's a Sam Raimi movie starring Sharon Stone as a female gunslinger who comes to a town uh, where there's a quick draw elimination tournament. So it's like a more action-y western movie. Never had a sequel. I could see it having one. It's an awesome movie. (laughs) Um, But yeah, and that's... But those are ones that I don't know if they would really come back and revisit, you know, 10 or so years later. Yeah. But at the same time, you know... Like, you, you never know what somebody's going to decide it's time to bring back. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, Disney, for the longest time, was making the direct-to-DVD sequels to their movies, and now Disney shifted into remaking their movies in live action, but, mm. yeah. You never know what someone's going to decide to oh, bring yeah. back. I don't know. So, I asked you at the beginning, as now we'll kind of wrap up, but I asked you at the beginning what your favorites were of these. Do you have any opinions on what the best of these legacy sequels is. If you were talking about, you know, subjectivity versus objectivity. Man, all of mine are horror movies, but I think Scream (laughs) just has to take it. They do so good. Yeah, they really do. It's so similar story-wise, but the character's changing, but then they they have just everything. They have a little bit of everything, and they balance it so well. I have an an idea for what I think would be a great legacy sequel. Okay, National Treasure. Yes. Okay, yeah. They should bring back National Treasure. That Absolutely. I would watch. That that would work on Bring me. it back as a musical. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Just get Nicolas Cage in there and I'm yes. good. Yes. Put Nicolas Cage in another sort of fun, crazy, historical yeah. mystery. That would like, be really fun. That would be really fun. <laughs> Nicolas Cage now. You could like have, you know, maybe he has a son now yeah. with, with his girlfriend. And, <laughs> like, there's a way to do National Treasure now that would be super fun. Oh, wow. That's, that's my answer. National Treasure. Solid answer. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but anyways, so we talked about our favorites at the beginning, but as we start, as we wrap this conversation, what do you think is the best example? Who has done this the best? I think horror movies continue to do it the best, and probably because horror movies are so hung up on concept. Yeah. So it's like, you have a good concept for a horror movie, you could do it a million times. Um, I'm going to go with Toy Story 3. Nice. For the best. I think Toy Story 3 is probably, as we look at all these lists, Blade Runner 2049 is great. Top Gun Maverick is great. Scream's great. Um, but I think the best movie is Toy Story 3 because it follows up on the originals in such a perfect way. Oh, yeah. And just while also telling a great story in its own right that is so great because of what has come before and because of the time that has passed. So, yeah. Um, I think that about does it for Legacy Sequels. Legacy Sequels. If you guys enjoyed this episode, would you please follow us on Instagram? We're there at No Notes Podcast. Um, you could check us out on our Letterboxd accounts as well. I'm there at that other Joshua. You're there at uh, Morgan Armstrong, I think. Mm-hmm. Please rate us five stars. Give us those reviews. We'll see you guys next time. <laughs>